You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded, the first episode of December. And uh, the holiday season is coming up. It's Hanukkah, it is uh, Christmas, and I'm sure there are some other holidays that I don't know about, but we're all going to celebrate them in style with a lot of food and with a lot of friends. And I brought two friends with us here today. And uh, let's start with uh, Hadi Kalakesh. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, Jared Book, thank you for taking time between uh, changing diapers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not not like it's a full-time job or anything. No, because you have a missus that does that for you. I, I also have family who does it right now. While um, she should be in daycare t- today, but she she's not she's not in daycare today. All right. Uh, she had she had a, a her flu vaccine this morning. Yeah. So, unfortunately, yeah. uh, the fugitive is somewhere lost in Europe, working on stuff for the World Championships in football, where Canada just um, lost again. We'll just leave it at that. Um, we're going to talk about the Player of the Month, obviously, and and NHL Player of the Month. He took it personally for not being chosen last month, and it's Nick, Captain Nick Suzuki. Is there anything we can say about Captain Nick that we haven't already said? Uh, how did Sweden do it in the World Cup, Patrick? Yeah, Sorry. we weren't there, but I mean, like at least we've been there for the last, you know, <laughs> sixteen years or something like that. Uh, um... Uh, sorry. Anyway, um, what can we not say about Nick? I mean, he's he's gone above and beyond what what people expected. I think, and, and a lot of that is going to be, you know, look, he's not going to score at this pace with this shooting percentage forever, and uh, I don't think that it's necessarily a sign that he's overachieving. And I think that we have to start thinking about the baseline of on-ice shooting percentage when you're playing with Cole Caulfield is probably going to be higher than league average. <laughs> and you're just going to have to adjust for that like you do when you play with Alex Ovechkin and, and other mm-hmm. great shooters. So I, I think that, look, Suzuki is playing very well. The, the team is is playing above expectations. And, you know, Kirby Doc has really been a guy who has really changed how we look at this line. And and I think that his his addition to this line is is really making it for a a positive um, a positive development and and making this line what we expected it to be, which is the line that's going to lead the the Montreal Canadiens. Adi, what's what's your take on Captain Nick Suzuki? Well, it's very simple. I think Nick Suzuki's definitely the most intelligent player on the Habs team. And the way, the reason why his shooting percentage is so high is yes, there's a luck element, but it's also the fact that he uses, he utilizes Cole Caulfield's threat from the other side of the ice to open up space for himself to create shots and, uh, and, and score. It's just his ability to manipulate the minds of opponents and, and sort of Jedi mind trick them into doing the things that he wants to do. Uh, it's just that's what's translating to results right now. I think Cole Caulfield is a perfect partner for him because Caulfield, his best strength is finding open space, getting open, and and you know using his very wide wheelhouse in order to to create shot opportunities for himself. But Suzuki's using that 
as a diversion in order to open up space for himself. And that has been an addition to his game. He used to do it before, but not at the rate that he's doing it this year. And that's what's really sort of the difference in production um, and what's leading him to be above a point per game right now. It's it's really interesting. Obviously, we're really happy to have signed Nick Suzuki to, to an eight-year contract already because it would be tough uh, after this season to, to sign him again, especially with the pedigree of being the captain. Uh, yep. for such a storied yeah. franchise as Montreal is. Um, yeah, you know, what, what they're saving in the Suzuki contract, they'll end up paying in the Caulfield contract. <laughs> I so was going to say. It, it, it comes out to the same thing. But no, I yep. mean, it's 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 a positive sign, right? Like, because it, it does, as much as I don't think the Caulfield contract will be affected by the Suzuki one, like, I don't think there's like this, like, Ray Bork, Patrice Bergeron internal cap thing going on. As much as that's going on, I, I do think that it does set a you know, look. If you can get a number one center for what you're paying Nick Suzuki, you can start to spend in other areas, and and that's that's a positive development for the Canadians because a year ago at this time we weren't sure whether he was going to live up to that contract. He was struggling, uh, as was most of the team under Dominic Ducharme. Cole Caulfield was struggling, so I think having the start that he did, um, even with wearing the C is is beyond um what anything any wins and losses or lottery position or anything like that what nick suzuki and, and cole caulfield and other players are, are showing is is worth its weight in in gold yeah and caulfield's agent is uh, pat brisson right who's uh pretty adept at you know creating contracts that benefit the player at the end of the day but still offer some value for the team so that they buy into it um, I really just hope the Habs don't go the Jason Robertson route because that contract's going to make the Dallas Stars just blow up their bank in four years when it's over. Just I think locking in Cole Caulfield long term and banging on the fact that the cap is going up, that Caulfield's value is probably going to improve as he ages um, would be the best bet for the Habs. Um, again, that Jason Robertson contract, it's it's not an example to follow because they might – um, you know, be making value short term right now. Jason Robertson's in the in the in the Art Ross Trophy race, but uh, that's a short contract for a player of that value. If they could assign him for eight years for a mil, a mil and a half more per per, I mean, they'd probably be much better off. So I'm 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 banking on Caulfield getting an eight year contract. I think Kent Hughes is going to be smart enough to get that done. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking at Dallas Stars, I think Rupi Hints is a is a better uh, benchmark for the Caulfield contract. Um, because yeah, this is not going to be a bridge deal. You don't have to bridge Cole Caulfield. It, it's not necessary. Uh, you feel pretty good about giving him a long-term deal, and, and uh, there's also the pressure's not there, right? He have they have all this season, they have all off season. You know that Jason Robertson deal was was coming up to you know training camp and the start of the season. So I, I think that in a case like this, um, it's going to be very easy to find a deal that that works for both sides. You also mentioned um, the draft position, and, and we got Hadi as a gift, so I'm going to go a little bit off tangent here. Uh, Hadi, how good is this draft? Oh, my goodness. Um, the the entire top 10 has top line or top, you know, just, just yeah, the entire top 10 has top line potential with a top five that has franchise potential. Um, it, it's it's outstanding first. The top three for me, um, Bedard, Fantilli, and Machkov all have franchise 
um, upside, the types of guys who can change uh, the course of a team. Now, I don't know if Mishkov is going to go third overall. I think in terms of talent, he should. But the contract situation in Russia and all that makes it a bit complicated. Um, other than that, Leo Carlson, who I'm sure you've watched a bit of, Patrick, outstanding no, player. Just <laughs> <laughs> an outstanding center, big guy, can can move pucks really well. Um, really adept and tight. He's got great puck shielding mechanics. I mean, there's so many assets in his game. Zach Benson. Um, Andrew Crystal is a name who I haven't seen high enough. He's starting to creep towards the top five for me, and I've seen him outside the top 20. Um, he should not be anywhere outside the top 10 for me. This is a proper high-end talent. You know, down the line, Zach Benson, Braden Yeager, uh, Edward Chalet, uh, Dalibor Dvorsky. There's just so many names to go through in that top 10 that have that top-line potential. Um, it's not the draft for defensemen, though. So if the Habs were banking on on sort of, you know, stacking their right-handed D pool, their options are pretty limited. I think their best bet would be a guy like Lukas Rogicevic. Um, And we've actually got a goaltender who I think should be a first-rounder in Michael Harbaugh. So it's a, it's a very interesting draft, a lot of assets, but mainly very, very forward-oriented, specifically for centers. Um, if you're drafting in the top 10, you're getting a top-line center, most likely. One person that has uh, caused some... Um... Headaches for fans, obviously cheering for wins, but also um, dragging Montreal a little bit off the uh, draft position that uh, they want to be in is Samuel Montembeau. Fantastic month for Samuel as well. And and uh, he looked shaky a little bit last year, but this season he has come up on top in many games that were where you didn't really think he would be. Yeah, I think it's it's important because if he was struggling, if Jake Allen struggling, we'd be in the same position that we were in a year ago where they weren't getting a save. And it's already you know dangerously close to that point where it seems like you blink and they're down one or two nothing in games, um, especially the last few that Jake Allen started. And I, I think he'll bounce back. I'm not worried about that. But I, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you need you need goaltending. That's how you gain confidence, right? Like you don't. If you, if if every shot against you goes in, you're you're gonna start playing defensively differently. You're gonna start playing not as aggressive offensively. And look, this Canadians team is not going to try and make the playoffs. Like they're not they're not they're trying to win games, but it's not the worst thing in the world. They lose some games, so they can afford to lose. You know, seven five and and games like that, and have, just have some fun and develop at at the NHL level and. And I think Montembeau bouncing back is is great for him because, you know, there there's only so many spots in the NHL for goaltenders, and and it's uh, it's not easy whether it's you know keeping a spot in Montreal or, or or you know showing enough that you can get a spot elsewhere, and and a lot of teams are looking for goaltenders right now. So if if you can if you can be you know reliable in goal. You're you're gonna get interest and and you know Steve Eisman you know he was talking the other day about how every team is is looking for goaltenders right now because there's a lot of struggling goaltenders and you know if you can kind of rise above that you'll you'll have a job in the in the NHL so yeah it's, it's good for him look he played most of the year hurt last year because they didn't have anybody else <laughs> and they kind of you know I you know he wanted to it was his opportunity he saw this as his chance he earned a contract extension so yeah you know the, it's good for him that that he's, he's performing at this level and it's good for the team too, because it just happens to be at a point where, where Jake Allen's struggling a bit. Indeed. AHL player of the month, Xavier Simono, 
Um, Hadi, I'm going to leave this a little bit to you. I know you've spoken about Simono before on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, he's become my bat signal on Twitter. Anytime he's mentioned, I get tagged. It's really interesting. Um, five, 785 pounds. I don't think there's a better um, player in terms of physical skill than, than Xavier Simono. Um, I, I've seen him out muscle a six foot nine forward uh, along the boards, you know, get a puck, um, you know, gain possession, play a pass to the slot and, and get a primary assist. Like this is a guy who has constantly developed the adaptive skill in order to compensate for his lack of size. Um, it's not a factor for him anymore. When he gets um, when he gets pushed to his offside by bigger defenders off the rush, when he gets forced on his backhand, it's not a problem because he's just as comfortable on the backhand as on the forehand. Um, his relentlessness, his intensity on the forecheck, on the backcheck, um, the fact that he's always doing something, and on top of that, the playmaking touch that he has. It's just there's so much to love about Zezri Simono, and I'm more and more comfortable in my assessment that this could be a potential second-line player um, down the road if everything goes right. Uh, but most likely we'll see a third line sort of play driver uh, in Simono. But there is that upside. He could be able to complement a second um, a second line very well, either on the wing or at center. Um, I really, really, really like this prospect. I've been on this case since 2019 in its first draft year, and nothing's changed since then. I've constantly been telling people this guy should get drafted. Um, and two years after <laughs> his first draft year, he gets picked up in the sixth round by the Habs and has just been exploding offensively since then. So, yeah, he's very promising. Point per game pace in November, just really, really good stuff from him. Yeah, there, there's so much to like about Stephen Owen. I don't watch as much junior hockey as, as Hattie does. And it, it's just, it's funny because if, if Raphael Harvey Pinard didn't have that, like, Brendan Gallagher nickname or Lavalagher or whatever you want to call him. Simino is more Brendan Gallagher than, than Harvey Pinard. Yep. Uh, he's, he's more skilled offensively. He he's more of a, um, of a crap disturber. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like he's, he's, he's one of those like pains to play against. Uh, and, and I think that he just doesn't care. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's incredible to watch him just come into the AHL, his first pro season and just be one of the top players on on the rocket and it, it's it you just he just keeps on scoring whether it's even strength or power play and i remember that play that hattie was talking about it was um douglas and against Curtis Toronto. Douglas, was, yeah. yeah and it's just just he just kind of bounces off of him and, and you know he's giving up a foot and uh, over a foot of, of of height to this guy and it's just no problem at all and it, it's just one of those things where, yeah, like you say, you just have to stop talking about his size because it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, you know he's played, and I say this a lot about about a lot of shorter players. You see it with Cole Caulfield as well. There was just other short guy. I don't know his name, Lane something. Yeah, <laughs> there's another one. Yeah, exactly. But the the thing about these players, right? And we're seeing this more and more, whether you look at, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, Quinn Hughes, like they're, they're throughout the NHL. It's not a coincidence because these players have been smaller than everyone their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have to adjust to that at the pro level because they've always been smaller. Whereas you have a guy who's been, let's say, you know, taller than everyone else, bigger, stronger than anyone else. That's where they have to adjust is because they're no longer the bigger and stronger players. So I, I still think obviously you need to have the skill to go with it, but in terms of Simino, like he's an NHL player in the future. Like he doesn't have an NHL contract right now. He's kind of in that transition period. The Canadians have their his rights 
uh, basically until next June. Uh, mm-hmm. And they'll surely sign her to an NHL contract at that point. And, and it's just, if not sooner, to call him up because he's been so good. And yeah, like Simino is just one of those guys where you watch him and you're like, I don't care how tall he is. He's going to play in the NHL. The same kind of thing like when you see Cole Caulfield. Like the shot plays so well. Like I don't care how tall he is. He's going to score in the NHL. And and Simino is the same way. Like you, you don't necessarily see a guy who's five seven as a energy forward, a physical presence, but like that's what he is. And and it just doesn't matter what his size is. Like he just bounces off of guys. Like he's just like a, a a ping pong ball. It's just. It, it's incredible to watch because it, it just defies logic, but it's so it's so much fun to watch at the same time. Did you just give him a new nickname? The I, ping pong ball. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe inadvertently. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just funny. Like even guys like you know watching him and and Miguel Turingi at the same time in, in development camp was kind of funny because you just have these like big guys who want to make an impression and they they go to hit them and it's like the the cartoon where like. The, the the big the big brute tries to hit the the little you know little chicken and the little chicken just runs circles around them. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of how it feels to watch those two guys play. It's just um, a lot of fun and it, it's such a it's such a, a fun skill or a fun uh, market inefficiency to exploit, right? Yep. Like it just it's just so much fun to like watch like the the the, the short kings of like Simino and Caulfield and Lane Hudson and St. Louis coaching them all like mm-hmm. it, the Sean Farrell coming up too. Like, it's just like, it's almost beyond parody almost. Like it just seems like too fitting that like the, the guy who was always too short for the NHL who ended up being a hall of famer is now coaching this like team of like little short guys who <laughs> defy logic. Um, and it's, it's just, uh, it's it's fun to to watch happen in front of our eyes. Before yeah, so we go two, to, sorry, I just wanted to say there's two things we touched on in terms of Simono's adaptive skills, proficiency in puck battles, and comfort on the backhand. Two underrated things that he does really well. Um, inside driven play, he cuts to the inside very often. Um, he finds inside lanes and he forces Adita back off. That gives him space. The other thing he does really well is play between checks. So um, he'll he'll have a player on him. He'll push off of him, make a quick touch, quick pass, then skate ahead of his pass. So just being able to play between checks, it offers him a lot more space. And that's the, the most underrated thing, I think, in Simono's game is how good he is at finding space between checks and make plays. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Before we go to the honorable mention in the AHL, we have to listen to uh, our sponsors. So uh, we'll be back shortly. Yeah, honorable mention, uh, Justin Barron. And it's kind of good to see Justin Barron's name here because at one point when he wasn't down, there was a bit of rumblings. Did we lose that trade, et cetera, et cetera. But working in the AHL, getting those heavy minutes where which he wouldn't be given in 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 the team right now as it's in, in nhl is really good for him and for his development isn't it 
yeah, like I, I had him really high and probably too high in the top 25, 125. I had him at number four, which I, yeah, uh, just a little bit overzealous, I think. But he, he had a really bad preseason. He, he, he just looked really bad. He looked like he was fighting the puck. Uh, he wasn't confident. He was just not really there. And, and he lost his spot. He lost his, he, he fell behind. You know, he's probably behind Keaton Gooley anyway, but he definitely fell behind Jordan Harris. He fell behind Ab- Arbor Jackai. Uh, he just fell down the death chart and ended up in Laval. And, and, you know, to start the year in Laval, he looked the same way. He was fighting the puck. He didn't look confident. And it just looked like, uh-oh, like, where's where's the guy that we saw in, like, the first few games after after the trade where he looked really good before the injury? And, and then all of a sudden in the AHL, just something clicked. And he was confident. He was making plays. Uh, you know, he's playing well defensively. And then it, you just saw it grow and grow and grow and grow. And that that's a huge um, boon for, for the Montreal Canadiens. Not only because, you know, they, they traded Arturi Lekkinen, but also because, look, the right side on defense is not a strength of the organization. Uh, they don't really have any, you know, many prospects that are, you know, top four potential. Um, you know, it's basically you know, Baron and Logan Mayu, that's basically it. So, you know, you kind of need those guys to kind of come up and 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 stake a claim to, to those spots. And, you know, Baron, if it weren't for the the success of players in the NHL right now and, and them playing well, he, he'd probably be up right now. So, but it's good for him to get that confidence and to see improvement at the AHL level. And you see it with Matthias Norlander as well. That's what you want. Like, I know that it looks bad that to see the AHL team, the Rocket losing, uh, as much as they are, but the young players are developing, and that's what you want. Like that's that's the goal of the AHL. Like yes, you want to win. You know, yes, you want your your veterans to 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 be good. But you know, the fact that Simonal, Baron, Norlander are all looking good uh, is is a good sign. And yeah, Baron Baron is is proving to me what I I thought I saw in him, and that he you know, he's quarterbacking the power play in Laval. Like that's something that Montreal might need in the NHL level. So. Yeah, I just I think that there's more there than just a, a, a you know four, number four defenseman. I might be wrong in that, but but he's he's definitely showing a lot of that that top you know top three potential in the AHL, and and that's that's what you want because if you're not showing that at the, NH, at the AHL level, you're probably not going to show at the NHL level. So it, it's it's good to see him showing what he wasn't be able to show um, early on in preseason. Playing on his offside though. We have a, another player, a defender, who's on the top pairing in the SHL on the right side. Hadi, we spoke about him before I did my first interview this week, uh, this fall. Uh, probably one of the most underrated prospects in the Montreal system. You had him highest, if I remember correctly, on the top 25, under 25. Autumn Engstrom has been a revelation, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And it just happened that I was uh, I was putting out a YouTube video on him as we were doing the top 25 under 25. So I was actually reviewing footage um, just before I did the rankings. And that's how I managed to, to sort of um, close in on who Adam Engstrom is and what he does so well. I mean, I caught a couple of his games before he got drafted. I didn't see much. Um, he was he was playing sort of behind Cali Odelius in, in your garden um, and and wasn't necessarily sort of employed in the ways that his skill set would shine the brightest, but the Habs really 
did a good job in terms of studying his game and understanding what he does well because this is a tremendous rush player. He can lead the rush very well, makes crisp passes out of his zone. Um, the way that he mans the the blue line doesn't need work. Is some of his posture elements um, aren't ideal, but offensively he's going to give you a lot. He's a he's a he's a very smart player as well. He's not the type of guy who's going to throw hits and throw his body around. He's mainly going to defend with a stick and his brain, um, close spaces at the right times, and all that stuff. The, the, the posture, the, the mechanics of it all do need some work, but mentally he's very set um, in, in terms of his playing style. It's something that's very translatable. So just growing his physical elements, making him, you know, more endurant, quicker, you know, more capable of fending off uh, four checkers uh, physically and, and just improving his toolkit would mainly be the, the sort of objectives. But it's not like a player like Logan Mayu where you have to, you have to rewire the way that he thinks the game. Um, Engstrom's processing, his understanding of the game is already sort of professional. So that doesn't need works, mainly just the tools. And it's kind of the opposite of a Logan Mayu. And that's what I like about Engstrom is I love smart players. I think intelligence is one of the most underrated tools uh, in a player's game. It's one of the most important things that you need in order to translate to the NHL very well, because mainly when you're smart, you're also very adaptable. Um, so I think that Engstrom's transition to the pro level in the SHL has been pretty seamless, especially, especially on the regular team that is known for developing, um, you know, their players the proper way in a pro sort of environment. Um, I see a lot of promise in what he's been doing so far. I'm, I'm really excited about him, Engstrom. Yeah. And when you look at him as well, and, and let's be honest, um, past two games, the, the game is just about to start. Um, Engstrom is on a pairing with William Wallander, which is yep. probably one of the youngest, if not the youngest, defensive first defensive pairing in SHL mm-hmm. for the foreseeable past mm-hmm. and probably uh, future as well. It's mm-hmm. incredible. And, and the game against Malmö uh, on Tuesday night, that was what moved Engstrom ahead of the honorable mention Oliver Kapanen because mm-hmm. He played physical. He played defense. Okay, he scored a goal. But it was his defensive play that stood out completely uh, in that game. And that was the talk of the town among the, uh, among the journalists after the game as well. So, so really, really strong performance at the end of the month, really, for Adam Engstrom. Uh, whereas the honorable mention Oliver Kapanen started the month very, very well. Uh, but after that five nations tournament or three nations tournament, depending on how, how we see it with uh, Czechia and Finland sending two teams each, um, it, it, he sort of fell off a cliff a little bit. Uh, he's had a goal after that, but nothing much more after, after that either. So for the past two weeks, Kaplan hasn't really done something. Uh, he's played heavy minutes. He's developing in. But it's third line uh, uh, centering. Um, he's getting ready for the World Juniors, uh, where I think he will play a, a big part for a Finnish team. But I don't see that progress in the scoring sheet that we sort of expected him to have um, at this, when you saw him, how he performed in October. 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, Kapanen is pretty limited in terms of his tool set. I, I don't really see what made him a sort of bona fide second rounder in his draft year. I, I just, he, he was the type of guy who's going to give you, you know, a, a decent baseline defensively. He's got, you know, He's got some instant, he's got some inconsistencies to work through, but I think that his defensive game is pretty developed. His his understanding of the game is pretty advanced, but he has trouble. It's, it's like his brain is too quick for his body, and um, he ends up, you know, the, the tools have to catch up a lot. It's not that you need to, just to have a couple tweaks done, like like for example with Adam Engstrom or a player like Jan Mishak. Um, the tools need to catch up a lot, and that's sort of I think what's limiting him so much um and, and sort of leading to these inconsistencies is that when he's confident when he's on his game um you know the, the combination works well but as soon as the, the confidence falters or he faces competition that's a bit tougher than what he's used to i, I just don't think he's as adaptable as as other prospects in the pipeline so he, he's kind of been slipping in my in my personal sort of you know mental rankings of the the Habs prospects and that's mainly been the reason for that you had a tough month, though, because you have six <laughs> players lined up in your segment of this article, Adi. Uh, Jared has, I mean, like he had to edit it for, and, and you had like probably even more names before Jared edited it out. But, but um, you, in the end, you went with Sean Farrell and you, mm-hmm. just before we started, you pointed out some of the thought process behind that. Yeah. So first and foremost, I just want to say, I, I think I'm covering about 20 prospects right now uh, in North America. So it, it's, I think every month is going to be very difficult, uh, especially with the crop of talent that the Habs added in this recent draft. Um, it's going to be very hard to split hairs between these guys. That's why I had five honorable mentions, but um, what made Sean Farrell stand out to me is that, you know, you've got other players like Lane Hudson and Vincennes Rohrer that improved a lot during the off season. Um, but they've been the same player since day one of the actual season itself. Whereas Sean Farrell in November added a complete new layer to his game that wasn't there before. So he went from being sort of a rotating cast member on the second penalty killing unit to be the main, to being the main guy on it. Um, and that's due to the fact that he's improved his defensive game uh, a lot, not just a little bit. It's, it's really been, you know, he, he was already a very smart player, but he mainly used that in transition and in the offensive zone to drive play, to find seams, to to create passing lanes, misdirect, all that stuff. But now he's applying that intelligence in the defensive zone by asking himself a simple question, which is, what would I do in this forwards position? And that helps him understand their intentions and getting the right lanes to cut passes. That's been uh, a very big sort of improvement in his game. Now, once he does get the puck on the penalty kill, he still tries to create offense, so his mindset is still offensive, offense oriented when he's, you know, got the puck on the stick after a turnover. But the fact that he's getting those pucks to start with is what's impressive with me. Um, and even at five on five, this is shown. He's he's been able to intercept passes at five on five a lot more regularly, um, and also his his ability to play inside contact has improved a lot. So, you know, that was one thing that I was worried with with Sean Farrell is he seemed to get a bit peripheral and and get a lot of his points on the power play, but um, he's starting to cut inside of opponents' hands, uh, you know, block them from the access to the puck by actually initiating contact himself. And I've actually seen him work on this with Adam Nicholas specifically. So it's very interesting to me to be able to 
to see the results of Adam Nicholas's development mentality directly in a player's game um, and the way that it's improved in Sean Farrell across the month of November. Indeed, it has. Um, if you look at the um, five honorable mention, we, we've already spoken about Lane Hudson a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we got my favorite, obviously, Winchens Roarer with harder, faster Roarer um, mm-hmm. to the sound of that scooter track from the 1890s, probably, when I, <laughs> when I was out clubbing. Uh, we got Riley Kidney, uh, Cedric Yundon, and Owen Beck. Uh, anyone you want to highlight out of those five? Obviously, Lane Hudson. I mean, this this prospect, I think, has become very quickly the best prospect the Habs have outside of the NHL. Um, right now, he is on a pace that is higher than Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Zach Orensky, and literally any other freshman defenseman um, in the NCAA. He's the highest scoring NCAA you know, defenseman in recent history, if you look at the past 25 years, because if you go back to the seventies or some guys who put up, you know, two and a half, three points per game, but um, it was a very different league back then with, with barely the level of competition that we see right now. And what's interesting with Hudson is he's doing all this from the second pair and the second power play at Boston university. So it's not like he's the main guy that they go to for, you know, all their defensive assignments for playing against the top players. You know, he's not playing 25, 30 minutes a game and putting up these numbers. He's playing 20 to, you know, anywhere between 18 and 22 minutes a game on average. And it's just, it's outstanding to me, his ability to to manipulate opponents, his ability to constantly, I mean, anytime he gets the puck, especially when it wants to load a high pass, the entire crowd just sort of shuts up a bit and, and like expects something outstanding to happen. They know what Lane Hudson can bring and they get excited when he gets the puck. And rightfully so, he almost always does something spectacular. And it's more than the flash, it's the effectiveness of it. The way that he closes down, the way that he triangulates play, um, you know, plays give and go, all that stuff, you know, he scored this goal. Uh, it was a first goal of of the game for Boston University in a, in a recent match they played where he started off the rush. Um, he received a pass in the defensive zone. He, he, he moved his feet out of the pass, which is a true projectable element. Then in the neutral zone, there's a, there's a four checker closing down on him instead of, you know, making a wide arc and trying to avoid him. He takes two steps towards him to kind of freeze him up. And then, uh, angles out, which is another projectable element. Then once he hits the blue line, passes to his right, then uh, continues his motion through his pass. So he doesn't stop and, and man the blue line. He continues his motion through his pass, drives the net, and get, gets a tip on the puck, another projectable element. So what's really promising about Hudson is not only is he scoring goals and producing points, but he's doing that in very NHL projectable ways. And Man, I could talk about Lane Hudson all day. I'm very, very excited about this, about this prospect. We'll get Hadi yeah. on for a special Lane Hudson pod. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, 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 I don't have as much to add about Lane Hudson specifically, uh, but th- th- this whole idea about... I, I'm going to use it to to kind of further uh, a narrative that I talked about earlier, but th- this whole thing about draft position, that's why it doesn't matter to me. Because if you look at the last draft, you know, you get Owen Beck at 33, you get Lane Hudson at 61. When you can find NHL players like that, you know, we didn't even talk about uh, Engstrom in the third round or or Roar. Or, Roar, yep. Yeah, you know, talk about all these guys they've they found, you know, even Philip Meshar. 
um, you know, late in the first round. Good organizations find these guys, right? Like, you know, in this draft in particular, you pick in the top 10, you probably should get a, a top line player. Any team can do that. If you pick 15th, even, good teams find players there. And the Canadians for the longest time didn't. But look at the NHL roster right now. What do you see? You see Nick Suzuki, who was, you know, bottom half of the, you know, outside the top 10, right? He was what, 13th, 12th, wasn't 12th, he? 13th, yeah. You know, Cole Caulfield, 15th. Keaton Gooley, 16th. Right? Like, that mm-hmm. hitting on those picks should be expected. And it hasn't been for a long time in Montreal. You know, yeah. hitting on late first-round picks, you know, they're not guarantees, but good organizations do it. You know, Meshar, Owen Beck at 33 is going to end up being probably the, one of the steals of this draft. And the only reason I say one of is because the guy they picked 61st. Like, mm-hmm. it's just finding NHL players late in drafts isn't that hard. Like, it, it's it's like it, it just feels hard because you don't usually have the number of bullets that the Montreal Canadiens have had in recent years, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they've had, you know, when you have you know, two first round picks and two second round picks and multiple third round picks. Like you should be finding guys. Like it's, it's, it allows you to, to find the, the right players and, and good organizations do it. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been picking in the bottom half of the draft for the last 10 years, it seems like. And yeah. they, they keep finding players, right? Like it's no coincidence. Like, you know, good organization. Boston is another example of that, right? Like, they, they just find players. And if you want to be a good organization, you can't use that as an excuse. And and I think that, you know, Montreal is not going to be picking in the top 20. Like, they're going to be picking earlier than that. They're going to be probably picking probably earlier in top 15. And that's you, that's okay, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you don't pick Connor Bedard or Anna Fintilli, it's it's not a disaster because you have, so, you have these guys in place. They have the Suzuki, the Caulfield. And you should be able to surround them with good players. Look, they picked number one last year, Slavkovska. I barely even mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that's good organizations find these guys. Like it's it's. I don't want to say it's easy, but good organizations do it. And if you want to be a good organization, you find these guys, no matter where you draft. Yeah, uh, we should all thank Christopher Boucher because he is a main <laughs> driver of the the mindset that went into this 2022 draft. Um, he's the one who pushed hard for Lane Hudson. He's the one that pushed hard for Owen Beck. Those are two guys that other NHL teams were gambling on. They were sort of waiting. They wouldn't take him at that spot because they're like, oh, he's going to be available at our next pick. And then he wasn't because the Habs did the smart thing and picked him up when they should have. Um, you know, Christopher Boucher was probably the best addition the Habs could have made. Uh, his his input, his opinion was very valued at the draft table. One of the things I remember him telling when Slavkovsky was drafted first overall was if picking Slavkovsky first makes it so that we don't have to worry about size for the rest of the draft, I'm okay with that. And I think you he know was, who he was talking about. Do you know who he was talking about? I, I'm not sure. Lane Hudson, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a guy that small. But I mean, genuinely, if you look at the guys that have picked, Owen Beck, not the tallest. Lane Hudson, not the tallest. Vincent Royer either. 
Adam Engstrom is is the only sort of exception in that role. They picked up Miguel Tourigny in the last round. Like they they genuinely did not focus on size after that first pick. And I think that's the best mindset that Chris Bushy could have brought is you make one pick that's like we're betting on this guy to become an NHLer to 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 make sure that not all of our top nine forwards and top four defensemen are under five nine. Um, but after that, it's free range, man. You go for you go for for upside. When you're a team with that much, um, you know, middle six or middle pair, you know, prospects uh, in terms of potential in your system, that's the time to take risks. You take shots on guys that are high risk, high reward, like Lane Hudson. Hudson isn't ready for the NHL, not even close. His his pivots need a lot of work. Um, and once that is pure, is turned from a weakness into a strength then he's pretty much going to be unstoppable. But until then, you know, he's still a high-risk prospect that, you know, could have slipped even more. I mean, I had him in my first round, but I, I was clearly sort of aware of the fact that his pivots need a lot of work in order to to reach a level where he's able to keep up with um, fast or big forwards that are barreling down on him in the neutral zone. He still struggles to turn around and, and defend with his, you know, defend backwards that kind of stuff. But as soon as that's fixed, you're, you're going to see Elaine Hudson who can do literally anything because mentally he can keep up with the defensive game really well. You've been listening to Hudson's Minded Player of the Month for November. There is quite a few of them and uh, we've been happy to have Hadi Kalakesh who has your own podcast now, Hadi. Can you tell us about it? And of where course. I've uh, started the Locked On NHL Prospects podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, any podcasting platform you like, uh, you can find that. Um, it's also available on Twitter. I post all of my episodes there. It's LO underscore NHL Prospects. And you can follow me personally at Hattie K underscore Scouting on Twitter. And obviously uh, follow my, um, my my work along at uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. I post weekly about the Habs North American Prospects. Indeed. And we got uh, the ever my ever present uh, Jared book, and uh, well, you don't need any personal <laughs> PR, Jared. So I'm going to cut you off. Sorry for that, yeah. but thank you for joining. Absolutemprice.com. You might you might have heard of that. I'm not sure. <laughs> Indeed, and it's me, Patrick Bexel, who has tried to guide you through uh, this podcast once more. Thank you for listening. Please stay on and listen to some of our sponsors at the end of the podcast as well.